welcome everyone to another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host, Callahan, and this week uh, we are here for, I guess you could say part two. Uh, it's not really uh, part two, but uh, for the Commander 22, or what is they're calling it, New Kapenic Commander, uh, set review. Joining me today is again... Uh, our our favorite Canadian, and I'm saying I'm gonna say this anytime any of the Canadian guests are on the show. Uh, I, I thought you meant you it. I you know, um, I'll, I'll say I this. I was is the my, number one. You're my favorite. Um, Expo, it, isn't that what Montreal's baseball team was? The Expo was yeah. Uh, Just rubbing it in. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Just is my my good friend Pongo. Pongo, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Glad to be here as always. Yeah, fun. And uh, for the first time in a minute is Phoenix is joining us again here from Lincoln, where it has been just raining for the past like five days. Uh, <laughs> it's It's been doing that. Uh, but um, other than the rain, how are you doing today, my good friend? Oh, I'm doing pretty great. Uh, it's I don't know if I've ever been on one of these for the no. actual set review. Uh, no, I just put cards is... on the list. Yeah. And talk about spoilers. So, Yeah, you're always like there in spirit. Yeah. We always have At your minimum. notes there. So this is yeah. really exciting because for those of you who don't know, for the back end of how we do the uh, set reviews, is our set reviews are almost always a document that either Cobblepot or Phoenix, and recently it's been Phoenix makes, and Phoenix will just dump anything that looks remotely interesting on it. If I think and, people will talk about it or have opinions on it, yeah, I put it on there. And then Pongo and I go through it, and we're just like, no, 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 yes, no. It's like, yeah, <laughs> very much like a first pass at everything that we then yeah. filter. So but, you know, there's uh, some noise there; it needs to get filtered out. Uh, do you guys remember last week we were talking uh, about Ledger Shredder and uh, that it was a very good card? And um, uh, I bought mine from what is a card kingdom, bought a playset for three dollars. And uh, I would like to show you guys now. We'll see how well this ages. Here's forty dollars that I acquired for three dollars. <laughs> it's. Uh, get your ledger shredders while you can, boys and girls. They are selling like hotcakes. Yeah, smash that affiliate link. Yeah, smash that affiliate link. Like we said, uh, we have a affiliate link for TCG players. So you can go down there, order cards, and we get a little bit of kickback from that. Also, if you want to also help support the show, head on over to patreon.com uh, forward slash the mind sculptors, where you can learn all you need to know about the various ways you can support us there. Uh, so without further ado, uh, we're recording this on Thursday night. And so I genuinely want to get this in under two hours because I want to go. I'm going to see Doctor Strange tonight. So <laughs> hopefully we don't get another three hour one. Uh, so the first card on our list is uh, we've got some of these white cards here is Benny Brax Zoologist, uh, which is a three colorless and a white legendary elf druid. That is three, uh, three, three power, two toughness has convoke 
And it says at the beginning of each end step, if you created a token this turn, draw a card. Um, so, you know, obviously, Pongo, it, is is this a Najila card? <laughs> of course you would ask. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even have it on my radar, and, and naturally you would ask. Um, no, this is not a Najila card. Spoiler. Is it an on-fire um, garbage can? Or it is, is it? It is not quite an on-fire garbage can. Um, so it's actually a really shockingly powerful card. I'm yeah. just not sure that it really has a home in, you know, any CEDH deck really at the moment. Um, yeah. Theoretically, some like mono white deck doing stuff with tokens might want it. Um, like Adeline, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the commander that makes tokens. Um, the biggest issue is that to fully realize the power of this card, you really want to be like consistently making tokens, even on other people's turns. Um, and so I just don't know that there's enough cards right. to enable that, um, that are good enough to play in CDH. Whereas if you're playing this in a lower power format, you can build around that. And he becomes a, he's a really powerful draw engine in mono white. Um, when, when you actually build around him. Um, so yeah, really, really awesome card, you know, the convoke to have him essentially potentially be completely free, um, yeah. and also be completely free, like as the game progresses, if you have to recast him, convoke on a mono white commander is like hot <laughs> yeah. um, because like, especially something that mono white does fairly well is create like soldier tokens. Right. So, uh, it feels like. It's something that really fits what it does and takes advantage of what it does very well. well. Making tokens on other people's turns is not that hard. It's just that there's not that many cards that we would play in CDH that do that. that right. There is Smothering Tithe, right? And so, like, obviously with him and Smothering Tithe, that's sweet. But, like, can you think of any others that, like, you would want to play? Like it's like Oketra's Monument. And Oketra's yeah. Monument is actually really gross with this card. It's it's like, right. okay, so then you're stuck playing a bunch of Flash creatures. That's and, that's the issue, yeah. Until we and then at what point creatures. do we end up as, like, worse of Farah? Yep. Almost is, like, the concern that I have. Yeah. I, I do think, though, that this card theoretically could get better in the future. Um, it just so, needs one good card to be printed, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh... I think it needs more than one because I think especially in mono white you need like a certain density um to make up That's for fair. the lack of consistent access to pieces. Um but I would expect to see a lot of this card in casual. Um yeah. it just yeah, it can drop to three sorry, four cards a turn cycle. Um like pretty insane. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I can't think of any. Honestly, I can't really like think of anything that would make me want to play this in the ninety nine of pretty much any deck, unless the commander right. itself was doing something like making the a commander token on every has turn. to make tokens. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you theoretically, could, you could play it in the ninety nine of Jared, the one that makes the the rhino tokens. Yeah, but that only does it on its own turn. So yeah, still the same issue. Well, you know, I'm I'm doing what I can. I, listen, I don't play casual EDH. We all know this. We've talked about it. I don't know what happens in that in that world. So, you know, you have to be pretty hungry for card draw, and you have to be playing um, a commander that makes tokens. 
and and probably creature tokens so that you can convoke it. So yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's it's tough. Um, I mean there there are other commanders like uh, Osgir, I think. Um, like who theoretically could play it, making artifact tokens, but you're not going to convoke it very easily, and like right. it, you know what I mean. He could technically do it on other people's turns, so there like would maybe be a way. But to, I think like the this, real but... advantage of the convoke is casting it with the convoke out of the command zone, right? Because that also uh, goes with the command tax. So the uh, I I don't think it's. Like, I I would put it. It's not like, a bad would, commander. Well, it, it's one of those things where it's like it's a mono white generic value engine, right? That has a lot of internal synergy with mono white. Um, the question I guess I really have is because so if I were to build this for CEDH, I would be like, okay, well, I'd probably want something like Heliod God of the Sun in the ninety nine, right? Why am I not just playing that in the command zone at that point? Um, yeah. And so th- I think that might be my question with this card. But otherwise, I, I I think this has the potential to be a pretty good card coming out of the command zone. It just, I don't know. Maybe it needs somebody who is really dedicated to mono white and get making those strategies work very well. I don't know anybody who would be up for that task, but, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, same <laughs> next card on our list is grand crescendo which is an instant that costs x <laughs> in two white and it says create x one one green and white citizen creature tokens and then creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn so phoenix when we were looking at this card we were, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand it's kind of like uh what's the green you get indestructible your uh heroic intervention heroic intervention yeah. with like um a mass brave the sands brave the sands <laughs> attached to it S- secure, so, the like, secure, secure the waste yeah, secure the waste yeah, that's that what it is it's like a cross between um, that and secure the wastes what is kind of your read on this card so like just like you said those two cards they've seen play in certain decks and mm-hmm. they're solid cards this is somewhere in the middle of them i would say mm-hmm. and so you need to be in a deck that probably cares about the non human citizen tokens which implies winota i don't think winota would probably have a space for this in particular, it would probably want to play something like Flawless Maneuver instead if it was playing something like this, or Selfless Spirit, which triggers Winota by itself already. Yep. Um, but it is an interesting card, especially for Mono White, that it's another Selfless Spirit, in this case on an instant, that makes a bunch of bodies in the late game. You can right. play this in your, your Benny Brax deck. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a really solid Mono White card, and it is pretty good in comparison to tools that already exist in green-white. So I expect some amount of decks to pick this up. I don't know where it fits, though. It's kind of medium, is my feelings on it. Yeah, I just don't think it excels like in any place in particular is kind of the issue. Like It's not as good as Secure the Wastes for the token-making plan, um, where you know you have to pay an extra white mana and... Right. Um, 
before you can convert into making warriors. Um, and it's not as good as other options for protection. Um, so it's sort of like a modal card in the sense that like it's versatile, but it's never going to be as good as a more dedicated slot. Um, and so, yeah, I just don't think it's worth trading the efficiency if you wanted this effect um, for the versatility. Um, you know, that being said, at least the two modes here are really good. Um, conceivably, if you know you're playing the type of strategy that wants to make a to go wide with tokens, right? Otherwise, it's just kind of protection. The big thing I will say about this card that I do think is interesting, because here's the problem I see with it over all those things is because I look at it and I go, okay, I'm probably going to play this in a deck where I care about my permanence on the board, right? So I want my... Automatically on something that's like a hate bears e sort of, yeah. you know. And so I think about the type of removal that is played in CEDH. And it tends to look like Toxic Deluge, uh, you know, uh, the... Meat Hook Massacre. Bounce spells. Um, yeah. yeah, Toxril, Bounce spells, those sorts of things. We don't really see the, like, mass, you know, like, Supreme Verdict Wrath of God of X that right. casual decks tend to see um, much more frequently. And so that's where I look at this and I go, this could be really good, but it needs a very specific environment to be good um because like it, it being something that not only gives you more advantage on the board and the fact that not only are you protecting your pieces you're also making more pieces i think is a plus but because i don't think it, it's not going to stop the type of stuff that you care about in cedh yeah, I, th I honestly think that what you're saying is almost a positive for the card compared to mm -hmm. its peers in white because those right. cards are all only protection and this right. does let you start the rebuilding process if you care about the one ones. So like Jetmere right. would be something I would think of where it yeah. cares about the number of things you end up with on board when it comes back to your turn. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and that's kind of like what I would like my point, right, is it it's. It needs a very specific environment to look to to get the most value out of it. And otherwise, I think that it's going to underperform. But I don't think it's a, a bad card necessarily. Um, no, we seems, wouldn't be talking about it otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be like I don't even think it's milk toast necessarily. I think it's just one of those things where it's one of those weird little. Yeah, it's a very fair card. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a strong blowout in casual, though. Like you, yeah. you essentially make their board wipe, not not hit your board, and then you also get ahead. So, mm -hmm. like that's it is certainly a powerful card in the right context. It's just that I don't know um, that CEDH really operates on that axis at the current time, where right. uh, you know you can really leverage this card for its full potential. I would agree with that. Um, next card on our list is an enchantment. It's Smuggler's Share, which costs two colorless and a white. It says at the beginning of each end step, 
draw a card for each opponent who drew two or more cards this turn, then create a treasure token for each opponent who had two or more lands enter the battlefield under their control this turn. So it's interesting, uh, Pongo, we were talking beforehand how it's like, this is actually like a pretty like reasonably high power card. Like it's a pretty strong card. Um, but because it's white, people are immediately going to be like, oh, I got to put this in my stack stack. And it's actually really bad with stack stacks. Sort of. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily... The problem is that in a stack deck, it's true that this is not actually like impacting the board. So right. it's just kind of a value card in a stack deck. Um, you know, I think a lot of stack decks currently are not operating on the axis of trying to fight people um, drawing additional cards. Some of them mm-hmm. are. You know, some, some decks are playing Spirit of the Labyrinth, and you will see Notion Thief in other decks and, and you know sometimes narset but for the most part you know it's it's more into the rule of laws and the the null rod type effects uh and then you know kind of the more targeted specific hate bears and stuff like that so i don't know that this is you know bad per se in stacks decks um you know people will still play their fetch lands and stacks decks um but like i i just think you kind of have to evaluate this card more generally in the format uh and i and i think it's it's hard to do that because it's not as explosive as a card like ristic study right which is like the obvious comparison where ristic study is frequently comes down and will immediately you know either tax people for mana um or draw you a lot of cards um and you know it'll keep doing that here you are dependent on your opponent's um taking a game action that is not necessarily as base level as Ristic Study, mm-hmm. right? Ristic, for, for this card to do its thing, they have to have already cast their spells. Um, so Ristic Study is going to see the, the first part of that, you know, even before this ever does its thing. Um, and, and that other thing, which is, you know, the drawing the additional card, is not even necessarily a guaranteed thing that people are going to be doing all the time. It's it's pretty safe to assume that people are going to be drawing cards, but not every deck has a draw engine in the command zone. Not every deck necessarily is relying on big burst card draw. Um, you know, I I just think it's it's comparing it to Ristic Study, it, it's always going to fall flat. Let's put it that it way. Is, it is interesting in a deck like Jeskai Stoneblade, for instance, right? where you have the rule of law out, you're looking to one for one, a lot of stuff. Um, If you're like, especially if they have like a Ristic study out, you're much more willing to just not pay for the Ristic study when you have this out, because they draw a card, you counter their thing on their turn. And then at the end step, you draw a card. And so it's like you end up breaking even on that transaction, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, which is actually kind of really good for a deck that is looking to play like hard control, uh, like where you won for one, a lot of stuff. Yeah. I feel the same way that like it, I don't think the card is very good in stack stacks, mostly because of exactly what you're saying, Pongo. A lot of stack stacks want to be on null rod, 
non-basic land hate, fetch hate. I don't and know so if you that's turn off half that of, big you of turn off half of your own card. You do turn off half of the card, yeah. But that that is the half of the card that is the easiest to play around. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily where stacks wants to be in the first place. Is that like it? They don't want to be catching up on cards to the other decks. They want to be stopping people from winning the game. And this doesn't stop people from winning the game. I think that's the biggest issue, right? Um, And it doesn't even, like, strongly incentivize people to slow down their game plan either. Like, a Rhystic Study, at least, is going to, you know, if you play it early enough, theoretically get people to pay extra mana. And that plays to your game plan, where even if you're not drawing cards, at least they're not developing as quickly. Here... You know, they, they're still going to develop their draw engines. You're not taxing that. In theory, it can slow them down if they kept their fetch lands in hand or if, you know, they're playing land ramp, which not a lot of decks do. Um, but it's just as easy to imagine, at least for myself, I like to get my fetch lands out of my hand pretty early. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't really hold on to them for Brainstorm anymore just because of opposition agent. Um, I try to kind of yeet them out of my hand before I can get blown out. Um, so, like, if this comes down turn one and I have to crack fetch lines, it can be very impactful. Um, but, you know, if it comes down later, it's going to be... Certainly that half of the card is a lot easier to play around. Um, you know, the drawing two cards per turn thing, I don't think people are going to stop doing that. Like, you know, people are going to draw their extra cards. Um... And that's pretty powerful. I think, you know, Ristic Study is more powerful earlier, and theoretically, this is more powerful later on in the game, um, where where Ristic Study, you know, people can potentially start having mana to pay for it more consistently, and still multi spell. Here, um, you know, as the game goes longer, it's more likely that people are going to be developing draw engines, but at the same time, like, it's like not that many games of CDH actually go that long, um, right? Whereas in casual, this card is a bomb. Like, oh, it's, yeah, this card, this card is, is gross. Seen, um, so this is like a new instant staple for for casual white decks, um, which is probably why it's selling for like thirty, forty dollars or whatever yeah. it's selling for. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, because like land ramp. Oh yeah, we got that in casual. Um, you right. know, draw engines. Oh yeah, we got that in casual, and like no one's going to not land ramp and give you a treasure no one's not gonna not draw extra cards and like you know the game's gonna go long enough to realize that value so this could be a consideration in cdh if your metagame um tends i think towards longer games yeah i could see it in some mid-range decks i honestly it's a really powerful white card but i don't know if many mono white decks i could see playing this it's a it little bit to too low. It's too low decks. impact. Yeah, for a mono white deck. Yeah, it. This is a really yeah. good card in like blue white decks that are like specifically reactive blue white decks that are going to Absolutely. be needing to refill their hands, and you know are pretty okay with you know like I said at the top of this section like one for oneing stuff if that makes sense like. Those are the decks that are probably going to get the most mileage out of this card, I imagine. It is good enough with Fall of the Thran to make us put Fall of the Thran in Lavinia. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I see. There's some cute. There's the some cute stuff color, that you can do there in low color white decks, um, where it's like kind of just better than an alternative. 
but it's not quite as good enough as like the you know the the card pool in like four and five colors and potentially yeah. even three colors yeah exactly i think so it yeah it gets edged out i would think about it in just guy stoneblade i don't know if it would make the cut but it's definitely so- probably the other place it's it's like the one place where like the the really the deck that I think of the most where I'm like that is where I'm like okay of all the decks I have this is probably where it fits the most where what would I play this over is then my question and then that's where it's like that's kind of always my consideration with new cards going into something is like okay so I want to play this what is this going in over and you know that's the real question so who knows but the next card on our list is very interesting card uh it is into deep which is an aura enchantment so you can play this with arden uh that costs two blue uh and it has split second on it uh and it says enchant creature planeswalker or clue uh enchanted permanent is a colorless clue artifact with uh you know, the clue ability, the, the clue uh, ability <laughs> becomes yeah. a clue and it loses all other abilities. So this is interesting. We talked last week about witness uh, protection, uh, Phoenix. Where do you think this lines up against a card like witness protection? I definitely think it's worse. Yeah, I don't necessarily know how good or bad this card is we don't get split second removal very often because wizards is pretty scared of printing split second removal so having some option for split second removal if that's something you care about is nice but it's two mana for sorcery speed removal when we already have better removal options in blue is kind of where it lands for yeah. me where it does hit art you there's resculpt that hits artifacts and creatures and this hits only creatures and planeswalkers. I I agree, I, and I think that's a very valuable point. It's like really easy to read split second on this card, and for whatever reason, get it in into your head that like it also has flash, but it doesn't. It just means that it can't be countered essentially, except by like a counterbalance sort of type of effect. Um, so, so yeah, it is still sorcery speed removal at the end of the day. Um, two mana for sorcery speed removal. I mean, like, if you're in blue-green and you're not already playing Kenrith's Transformation, I think you 100% are playing Kenrith's Transformation first um, just because it cantrips, and that's, like, better than paying two blue pips and, like, your opponent can sacrifice their commander that you've, like, tried to turn off forever to, like, draw a card and put it back into the command zone. Um and I just think that like most of the rest of the blue creature removal suite is just better, like the rapid hybridizations, the mm-hmm. um, the what should I call the one you mentioned even, before? Even Mystic Subduel, uh, Mystic Subduel is I think uh, minus two zero and loses all abilities, and then uh, legitimate business person, is, right? Is yeah. one mana. <laughs> That's just what we're calling That's, it now. It's not the name of the card, but it is now the name of the card. It is now the I, name I of did the buy card. a play set of I those as well. Uh, the the, uh, the token? Witness protection. Oh. I haven't seen the token. Is There is a legitimate business I, person token, right? Uh, no. No. Oh, that's a disappointment. I guess there wouldn't be because the, the creature doesn't become a token. Yeah. Yeah. It just has, it just changes. It's, it's it just, type. just changes its name. 
and it becomes yep. legitimate business person. I love that name. I think that's so funny. <laughs> it is a fun card. It's a good design for sure. This is a rare though. Um, wow. In any it's commander case, rare. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so this is from the, uh, the commander sets. Like we said, next card on the list is mask of the schemer, which is a card that Phoenix really wanted in Lavinia. Um, so close. It is, this card is so close. It's an artifact equipment that costs two colorless and a blue. Uh, and it says whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, it connives X where X is the amount of damage it dealt to that player. Uh, and it costs two to equip. You could probably start on this one, Callahan. You're the one with opinions. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> I, Okay. Uh, I didn't like it in Lavinia because I think it's just a little overcosted for what Lavinia is doing. Five mana uh, for not actually yeah. drawing cards is it, it, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Now, I, the one thing I will say is connive is probably one of the best new abilities that when I see it tacked on to a creature or an ability um, and it's in blue white, I will forever go. Hmm. And it's, so it's maybe maybe is this a is this a Lavinia card? Um and for Lavinia, I don't think it quite makes the cut. And we discussed that at length. It because might it's be just, good enough. It's close. The the big issue is Lavinia that's a lot of mana to be pumping into it for what it does. And I think the deck that really is going to take advantage of it the most, and it remains to be seen whether or not it will be able to take advantage of it, is uh, art like our blue Arden decks, and um, like I think Jeskai Stoneblade probably takes the best advantage of it, where you can put this on a Crom, and you get four connive card. triggers, which makes Crom bigger because those stick around regardless of if the equipment is there or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's very powerful in that sense. The question, basically where I'm going to end up evaluating it on is it is going to um, be the card that you I kind of think of, like I'll probably test it in the uh, words, 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 words. Um there's the a slot ember cleave um mm. stone like ember cleave makes sense yeah uh, because that's kind of where you're get you're getting kind of the same mileage out of ember cleave that you are out of this uh the benefit you get from this though is the draw and again like we were saying earlier in a deck like Jeskai Stoneblade where you're playing very traditional one for one control uh card advantage or any sort of card even card selection uh is very strong um so i would say for for in that regard i think it's a card that if you are playing blue arden decks it's worth considering i don't know if it makes the cut or not um but i think that it is a very strong option and again when you put it next pair it with something like Sigarda's Aid, and now you get to start casting this on other people's turns. 
and really conserving your spell slots at that point, then it gets even better. Um, the one bonus that Embercleave has over this is that Embercleave can just be casted instant speed regardless. Um, and so yeah. that is one of the advantages Embercleave does have because there's a lot of combat tricks that you can end up doing, which is really fun uh, with Embercleave. Um, I also think Embercleave is kind of just a, a guaranteed three-turn clock, whereas this right. is really... This is all over the place. Yeah, it's not guaranteed at all. I mean, we've talked about this before, Phoenix, about like the math on, on Kanai. Like yeah. It's mm-hmm. really easy to overestimate how many counters you're going to get on things um, because you're thinking, oh, well, you know, like the first time I hit with Krom, it's going to get four counters. It's like, no, you're probably going to draw a lot of lands and you're probably going to want to discard off right. that first like draw four probably at least two lands um right. and then like the next one probably you know you're going to draw a few extra lands and probably want to discard those as well because you want to keep your actual action um whereas with ember cleave like you're hitting for 10 and then 10 and then you're deading them if you manage to get one extra power on chrome like in between the first and right. second attack that's a two-turn clock um, and you're playing. Well, and that's where it's just like you know you're so. already playing stuff like Sophie, right? So it's like you get yeah, sort exactly. of fire and ice on it. Like as soon as you get sort you of fire and ice on Chrom, exactly. the game's kind of over at that point. Yeah, honestly. like double strike. Like double strike is so powerful. Like I don't know if this is better than Amber Cleave. Yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm at. The other the other thought is you we could try this over a card like Sword Hearth and Home, uh, which is like probably the more mediocre of all of the equipment in the deck um, it's so much fun it is a lot exactly it is so much fun <laughs> but it, 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 it's probably the slot that if i were to take it out to put this in that's probably the best slot to pull from it but ramping is really good also gilded draking people's boards is really fun and bouncing your you dockside, dockside is really fun it enables a lot of Goto lines that you wouldn't yep. have otherwise. And yeah, it's just uh, one of those You're cards. You're playing Goblin Engineer. It's like one of my first ever tutor targets. Like every time I play <laughs> Goblin Engineer. Yeah. Because then it's like my Goblin Engineer gets every equipment in my deck. <laughs> <laughs> um, Does the same thing with Stoneforge too. Yeah. Yep. And your Stoneforge. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. It, I, don't, it, I don't know that this is good enough. <laughs> to, it's. It's a really tough card to evaluate, to be honest, because it's yeah. Connive has this. Well, it's looting. Well, it's mega looting. Well, how much more mega looting is it actually? Right. Yeah. Or is it just looting? And, and you don't have graveyard synergies in that deck, right? Because you're not playing breach. Because you're playing rule of law effects. You're playing rest in peace. You're playing so, rest. Okay, well, the yeah, opposite. So like, so yeah. like you're playing rest in peace. You're playing rule of yeah. laws. Like you have no graveyard synergies whatsoever. Exactly. So um, can I so uses some quite a bit of power? Yeah. Um, but I haven't really had a whole lot of opportunities to test new cards in Arden Crom yet, uh, just because I've been spending a lot of time with the Rector stuff because of the fact that Vivian has made my life actually completely obnoxiously difficult because now I have to find lines in sans red with Vivian and mm. that, that is tough it's I, I, I have tried to do the sans red like kiki pod sort of stuff because obviously there's like a lot of appeal 
trying yeah. to find those types of lines for Derevi. And it like, ends up just, just being they're not great. <laughs> it, it, really it ends up great. just being like your arena rector is just a second tutor to uh, like another way of getting out your uh academy rector. It just is yeah makes it more consistent. Um which is good and that deck needed it regardless. But that's what I've been spending a lot of time working on that and other variants of the like rector um like archetype in general right now because there's a lot of build up around that card or around the rectors because of Vivian. Um but moving on to the next card on our list is body count. It is an instant that costs two colorless in a black uh, that says draw a card for each creature that died under your control this turn. And it has a spectacle cost of just black. And for those of you who were not with us for Ravnica, uh, the third time we went the return to return to Ravnica uh, <laughs> spectacle is you may cast the spell for its spectacle cost rather than its mana cost. If an opponent lost life this turn um, and being an instant, it's, and we're in CEDH, it's fairly likely that that's going to trigger. Uh, so uh, I don't, I don't know. Pong, like Pongo, what are your thoughts on this card? It, we, in our notes, we kind of look at it. Maybe, maybe it's a Dargo card. I don't know. Um, So it's a little awkward, even in something like Dargo, just because there's sort of like two directions people take Dargo right now. One of them is not particularly good and that's the one where like you deal combat damage with Dargo and like draw cards equals the amount of damage and that's like pretty inconsistent it's much better when you can kind of like play Dargo and then immediately do the thing and draw mm -hmm. a bunch of cards and kind of keep um, storming off that way um, so this kind of expects you to have a sack outlet out um, because for this to really generate a lot of value with Dargo need to sacrifice him a bunch so maybe if you're doing like the dargo infinite death um like um combos using the altar um phyrexian altar like maybe you could consider it there because then you can just kill dargo an arbitrary amount of times and, and kind of draw mm -hmm. your deck um i know like reed is for example not even doing that in his naya dargo deck right. um, reed is just instead using the cards that sacrifice dargo and draw you cards um, and this is kind of like a little bit win more, I guess, right? Um, in, in that respect, because, um, you know, like all of your sack outlets with Dargo in that deck already, I think, draw you a bunch of cards. And I think right. that's how most Dargo decks work. Or they're looking to sacrifice Dargo to put like a Razaketh into play, mm -hmm. um, you know, by like potting up into Razaketh or something like that which is already just going to be much more powerful than using this as kind of like a fair type of card. So I, I'm not so sure that this is a Dargo card. Um, I think that Dargo has enough redundancy or, or would at least rather play like the stronger Dargo synergies than this. This is Nathan, I know you're watching. Tell piece. us if you're considering this card or not. Yeah. <laughs> just leave the comment. I know you're watching. So just tell and, us like, <laughs> and otherwise, like, Dargo is kind of just doing, like, Nas stuff. That That's, like, right. the other way, like, sort of like the Jun Dargo-style decks. Um, where, you know, you can also play a few Dargo-enabling cards because you're going to have a ton of stuff to sacrifice Dargo, and you can kind of turn it, again, into almost like a second Nas where 
you know, it's a smaller one, but hopefully it builds you towards the peer or the NOS that comes after it sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, not, not for Dargo, but you know, I could see this in like Chatterfang, um, which like there is a Chatterfang NOS deck. I think Killstar is brewed for mm-hmm. example. Um, and that deck when it's doing its fair thing, um, you know, has like a lot of tokens that it will sacrifice and you do and have a creature draw a with, lot of cards. with forest walk. So it's really easy to enable the spectacle, um, which was, you know, I didn't even mention that, but like with the Dargo deck, you would still need to enable spectacle. Otherwise this is three mana, not one. Um, so like, yeah, I guess with Chatterfang, this is an option. Um, yeah, the only other thing I have on the notes is maybe you can tutor for this with Razaketh and draw a bunch of cards if you need to refill your hand. But yeah, but like you have a also you have Razaketh and a tutor. You have right? Razaketh yeah. and a tutor, which you know sometimes is not enough in like some decks, but in many decks is you know the lines have kind of gotten good enough that that, that would be enough. You know, yeah. if you can Razaketh like into Dockside into who knows what like. It, it kind of almost doesn't even matter at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like I don't know. I I, I think that this is a, a very niche card, um, and you know, there's one deck, at least off the top of my head, that I can maybe see it being played in. Um, you know, it it is another like just straight outlet, I guess, if you can do the um, like the uh, Chatterfang combos. Which do normally need an outlet. You need to have like a, right. like a blood artist type of effect, or something else to, you know, take advantage of infinite mana or like just infinite bodies in play, something like that. Um, and this this can do it. So this is yeah. a this is a world gorder dragon uh, outlet if you squint hard enough. <laughs> if, you, if you squint very hard, um, and you, if you if you clench your butt cheeks hard enough too. Yeah, um, it is an instant at least. Yeah. yeah. I I am this is totally off topic. I'm literally just sitting here looking at the cards that I got in the mail the other day and just the I I don't know what compelled me to buy a play set of ledger shredders, but I'm just so glad that I did. Like <laughs> 3 bucks for this play fan. set, like that's 40 bucks now makes me feel very good. Oh um, man. The highs are like, high, but imagine Callahan if the card ever falls back down in price. <laughs> I mean, I the, bought the them for seventy cents. I'll be like, whatever. Like, <laughs> um, I I have a playset of them, I guess. Um, but anyhow, uh, next card on our list is a card that I actually think is a lot better than people give it credit for, and this is a Lethal Scheme. It's an instant that costs two colorless and two black, uh, that does have Convoke. Um, and it says destroy target creature or planeswalker. Each creature that convoked a lethal scheme connives. Um, and so we were talking a little bit before the show uh, that where I see this being really good is specifically in uh, like an Abzan stacks shell where you're already playing stuff that's on the board. You're playing a lot of abilities that are going to you know you're you're probably more concerned about combat than other decks um and this is going to be a good thing that's going to be able to not only give you some card selection 
but also be able to enable some of your graveyard strategies that you might be have going on. It can pump your team. There's a lot of options with this, which I think is really nice. And I think it is better. First of all, people need to be playing more removal, period, full stop. Uh, because one of the notes that we did have was that people aren't even playing the good removal that they should be playing. Um, but I think this is just another tool in people's tool belts for those style of decks. I don't know. I mean, uh, what do you, what do you guys think? Uh, Phoenix, what are your thoughts? I am pretty far on the opposite side of you. I don't think this card is anywhere close to be mm -hmm. honest is my honest opinion on it. I think that if convoke removal was good in our format, people would be playing stoke the flames already. And other than literally Magda, which cares about the Convoke tapping the creatures, I can't think of anything that plays Stoke the Flames as a comparison to this. And it kills most relevant creatures. And the Mega Looting, if you Convoke, is not a big enough upside for me to consider something that I probably wouldn't want to be playing anyways. Just at four mana being a lot. I don't yeah, know I would tend to opinions. agree. I don't know. I, I think being able to connive in black is really strong, especially if you're in like sans blue where your card advantage is already not as great as other people, but I don't know. Yeah. And I think we talked about this beforehand too, but if you're a Timna deck, you're never tapping right. Timna to cast this. So it doesn't really count towards the cost. Yeah. You might not even have that many untapped creatures because theoretically you might be using them to attack multiple opponents. Um, yeah, it's just tough to imagine having enough black creatures for this to be free consistently, um, right. like untapped ones in particular. Um, so I think, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it costing one black mana a good amount of the time. Um, and then, you know, you, you get to connive three. Like, that. that's not terrible. Um Four mana on like like so you're not gonna probably play it in Nas decks just because it's four mana, at least like Nas sees four mana, mm -hmm. um, and then so you know maybe and, and also creature count matters a lot, so maybe you would play it in kind of like the Abzan stacks type of decks. Right. Um, I just don't know that those decks are looking for another piece of removal because like they had plenty of options before, um, plenty of pretty reasonable options and they weren't playing them over you know other stuff occasionally you would see um that piece of removal that uh you can pay i think it's it costs only two mana if you let an opponent draw a card baleful mastery. Yeah. yeah baleful mastery but that like why do they play that well because you can yeet an oracle player <laughs> out of, out of right. the game right it's like almost more for that than it is for just having the piece of removal um it's also exile but and exile removal is stronger for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that I, it, it's just maybe if you wanted an extra piece of removal, you could consider it. And if you're playing a deck like that that has enough creatures, maybe you could consider it. But right. I'm not particularly excited about the card. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Next card on the list is uh, we haven't seen one of these cards since Amonkhet, so it's been a while, uh, but it is an Aftermath card. It's Indulge uh, indulge to Excess, uh, 
which the indulge portion is a two colorless and a red sorcery that says whenever a creature you control attacks this turn, create a one, one green and white uh, citizen creature token that's tapped and attacking the aftermath side of it. Let me just turn my head here so I can read it. Um, you have to cast that from your graveyard, right? And it costs uh, one colorless and a blue sorcery. Create a treasure token for each creature you control that dealt combat. Da- this is so hard to read. Uh, combat damage to a player this turn. Uh, so Pongo, like this, obviously, um, insert John Mulaney meme here. Uh, you know, is this a on fire garbage can or is it an Agila card? Did you notice that I rotated the picture, Callum? There you go. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I rotated it for you. Oh, um. <laughs> you, you beautiful. Oh, man, I fucked that up really bad. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, now All it's squished. Work. Oh, my gosh. You ruined our, it, Callum. Our notes are going crazy. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, this is not. I mean, I'm just going to say, this is unfortunately not an Agila card. Uh, when we first saw it, you know, we had a brief moment of excitement because it kind of looks like on the surface that it might be good enough, right? Um, mm-hmm. You pay three mana, you kind of get like a pseudo Najila activation. It's not really because they're not warriors. Turns out that makes right. a really big difference. Um, and then, you know, you can cast the aftermath part and presumably make a bunch of mana. But like to do all, all that in one turn, I think you have to already have to be on like like your second combat or like your third combat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that it's like probably turn four or turn five. And then you're like right. netting one mana if you do it all in one turn, which is like pretty poor. Um, it's like maybe a little bit better if you split it up where, you know, you do three mana, you know, make a couple of extra warriors and then on the... Uh, sorry, a couple of extra creatures, and then on the subsequent turn, you pay two mana and like make a bunch of treasures. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, still not great. Um, feels a little win more ultimately, and I think that's kind of the issue with a lot of cards like this. Yeah, you know, Phoenix, you yeah, have... you had thoughts on it. What are your what are your? What's your oh, team? my thoughts are in the notes. It's uh, if if we didn't have the front half of this card, this card would be instant stable in the format. Just one in a red sorcery, make a bunch of treasures after combat. That's great magic card. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, in the Gila, I mean, it would be on your first combat. You could pay two mana and bank two treasures, which is not great. But like, it scales after that pretty. Yeah. To be a pretty powerful ritual. Right. Um. Yeah. It could be interesting. Just even like going as a plus one ritual with treasures if you hit three people. Still mm-hmm. pretty solid. Uh, but unfortunately, it is an aftermath card. And so there's also, for what it's worth, uh, if this does matter, because you could potentially attempt to, people could potentially, potentially think that you can attempt to use this with Breach. Aftermath exiles the card no yeah. matter what. Right. Even if you're yeah. casting it with Breach, for example, yeah, aftermath will cause the card to be exiled. So, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, next card on our list, however, is the first commander we're going to be talking about here in it's, uh, what's his name? The maestro's right hand man and hello, the painter, which costs 
blue, black, and red legendary vampire assassin that is 1-3 with death touch. And it says the first incident or sorcery spell you cast each turn has casualty two. And for those of you who are unaware of what casualty is, casualty is as you cast that spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power two or greater. What you do when you do, excuse me, copy the spell and you may choose new targets for the copy. Um, so we automatically we're talking about this in the context of it's a generic Grixis commander, right? Um, Phoenix, when it really comes to like Grixis, how many how many two power or more creatures are they playing that they're going to be willing to sacrifice? There's not a ton. I mean, it's you get your uh, your Dragon's Rage Channeler pumped up, and then you can sacrifice it or. If you have some some pump on some of your creatures, but a lot of the generic Rakdos, Rakdos, sorry, Grixis uh, mm-hmm. creatures are not going to be power two. And then also right. with casualty, you can't sacrifice two one power creatures. You need one two power creature. So unfortunately, I think this ranks lower than any of the existing Grixis, Grixis Mean Girls. <laughs> Crixus Mean Girls. I, I had to, I had to make, I the, make the joke. But I, it is interesting that the commander can double copy Tainted Pact sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that it's anything extremely exciting for me, at least. I mean, we said that about, what was it, Maestro's Ascendancy last week, right, Pongo? Where it's like, you know, you know, is double Tainted Packing really something that, like, especially in these decks, like, you can already do that with Kess, right? Like, why do we need, yeah. what does this present do that makes it better? Creature? Right. Yeah. Yeah, you can't even sacrifice an hello, like because he only has one power. <laughs> so like you need yeah. to sacrifice something else. Um, so you have to play a bunch of creatures in your Grixis deck to enable that ability. Um, which it's Sakuragavan. It just has so Sakuragavan, much like yeah. so much internal inca- like tension, right? Because Grixis. It, like in the card wants you to be playing a bunch of instants and sorceries so that you can get more impact out of them. But it also wants you to be playing creatures that you can sack to said instants and sorceries. And those two things don't usually go together very well. And it's it's, it's very in interesting. Yeah, in CDH. In C- in CDH. Because we were talking about this before we hit the record button too. This is actually pretty cool and casual where you can imagine sacrificing you know, like a bloodgast and recurring right. it. Um, and, and, you know, and other small creatures that are easily recurred and oftentimes have like two power. Like there's like a lot of zombies. Um, and then, you know, you would be playing a lot of high impact instants and sorceries. And that, that seems like actually a pretty cool deck. Um, like I actually kind of enjoy, you know, the journey this card puts you on. It kind of mm-hmm. feels like a little bit like um, a Jaleva, but you're hiding more information because it's all in your hand. And so like your opponents don't necessarily start freaking out after like the second you flip into all those things Uh, and you're not like free casting. So it's a little fairer, a lot fairer, I should say. Um, So I don't know, you know, it's, it's a cool card, but for all the reasons you talked about, this is not really uh, quite good enough in the Grixis pantheon. Yeah. It just doesn't get there. It's, Interesting and casual. I mean, it's nice that this doesn't care about where you cast the card from, but 
When we talked yeah. about this last week, one of the things that I really like about um, Evelyn is that it fixes that problem that Pongo and I have talked about before with like three colors, where once you print single color and two color partners, you kind of run into this issue of like, okay, well, why will I ever play a single commander when I can play two commanders that are easier to cast? And you have Evelyn, which kind of fixes that issue to some extent, or has a much more flexible casting cost. And then you look at this and it's like the complete opposite issue where it has a very hard, like a much tougher casting cost um, in blue, black, red, um, which I think is interesting. Uh, But uh, moving on to the next commander on our uh, list is Tivit seller of secrets, which is a legendary Sphinx rogue. That is a six, six that costs three colorless, a white, blue and black. And it has flying in ward three. And it has the ability council's dilemma. Whenever Tivit enters the battlefield or deals combat damage to a player, starting with you, each player votes for evidence or bribery. For each evidence vote, investigate. For each bribery vote, create a treasure token. While voting, you may vote an additional time. Uh, So it says time sieve exclamation mark here. So uh, uh, Phoenix, walk us through exactly what's going on with time sieve here. So when you attack someone in a game of EDH, you have four people voting plus your extra vote, which means you get five artifacts, which is exactly the number you need to sacrifice to Time Sieve. Uh, pretty cool that the commander just combos with Time Sieve. Uh, right. There are some issues with that, like this being six mana and this needing to actually connect. So if one person has cast a swan song in the game, you might not be able to win. Right. But it's pretty cool that there's a one card combo in this deck. Bigger issue is if one of your opponents died already, right? Because then you that only too. make four. I mean, you probably have other artifacts lying around, and you do have other enablers to get around that. Um, <clears throat> but like, I I agree with the sort of main issues you highlighted being the high CMC, um, and you know, I, I I don't know if you you touched upon it, but like. A lot of the time, making a ton of clue tokens can actually be kind of a big issue. Right. And, like, it, it can really, like, come back to bite you in the ass um, because they're not easy, as easy to get rid of as treasures, which, like, you can get rid of for free if you need to. They kind of are stuck in play, and you make a lot of them, and then your opponent's dock sides are just absurd. Right. Like I think when Reed was playing this against us, those games where he was playing Tivit, you know, there was the one that I think he won. Oh no, there was one he almost won, but then right. he, and then his I think he ran into an issue. There. I think yeah, with I, somebody having a blocker or something. I think it was his Nas didn't get there, or he, or no, it was he tainted, he consulted, I think, and mm. pretty much like killed himself on his consult, going for time sieve. I think. Um... So, other than that one game, I'm pretty sure the rest of them were just, like, Dockside coming down and just, like, feasting on, on all of right. these random artifacts lying around. Um, so, that's, like, pretty dangerous to do. If You can't really 
commit him to the board for value um, when your opponents are probably all voting for um, for evidence. Uh, right. You're voting, I think, more often than not, bribery twice to get two treasure tokens so that he effectively costs four mana, kind of. But then yeah. you're stuck with like three clue tokens that, you know, in addition to all of your fast mana that you used to ramp into him, make Dockside's like thick. Right. It's very interesting. Like, I, I just like I think the time sieve thing is like cute, but I think that's like it. Right. It's cute. And I think that's about as far as it goes. I don't see a whole lot of benefit to it overall um, because it feels like that's fairly easy to disrupt. Am I incorrect in that assessment? It's along the lines of something like uh, I think is the other giant Asper commander that some people play uh, Yenit? Is that yeah. the one? Oh yeah, sure. That cast, it's along the lines of that where you have a strange deck building restriction that does something unique and may not be the best in the world but at least it is unique. It does a yeah. thing. <laughs> I mean, the thing that Yenit does is arguably a little bit more powerful if only because um, like it casts Pierre. Um, you have to set it up on the top of your deck, which is like really not that hard. We have like a lot yeah. of tutors that you know conveniently <laughs> tutor the thing to the top of the deck in this format, um, and and being less mana also helps. You know the one upside Tivit has is that once Tivit lands, it's really hard to get rid of Tivit because of Ward Three. Um, like that is a big tax on any removal that you would use on Tivit, but at the same time, like. You just use the removal on the time sieve, right? So it's kind of yeah. like you can still disrupt those combos pretty easily. Right. Um, you know, I, I think Rafine is kind of really giving a lot of Esper commanders um, the run for, a hard a time. Run for their money and a hard time these days. Yeah. Like Rafine is very, very powerful. And it's hard for me to imagine playing an Esper commander that's not either Rafine or Zur, like currently. Or, or I, 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 can't, I honestly, after playing against Rafine, I can't imagine playing any Esper uh, deck that is any not other Rafine, yeah. period. Like, well, Rafine feels like your style of deck. Yeah, like it's my it does exact a really cool thing. It does a cool thing. It's very much a play creature attack and then sit back on the mountains of cards that you just acquired it's and, it's a mid-range dot deck yeah yeah it's it's my it's type of bullshit so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah i i obviously really like rafine um but yeah it just feels like when you look at rafine especially in the context of cdh i feel like it's invalidated a lot of esper commanders and i think you could almost argue it's pretty damn close to almost making it gives you a reason to not just play Timna Malcolm in Esper. Where remember we had that that previous yeah. with the last with the Grixis commander we were talking about is how it's like okay well why don't I play you know Malcolm Vile or whatever and with this it gives you like a really good incentive of here's why you play this over Timna Malcolm and I I yeah. really like Rafine I think Rafine's so good um, yeah. And she's very open-ended. Like she does a lot yes. of different stuff, which is quite you can cool. play it however you want. 
Um, yeah, I think if she was four mana, she would be less centralizing. But at three mana too, like it's very it's aggressively very easy costing. to turn two of her. Yeah, in Ward One Definitely. is like not irrelevant. By the way, <laughs> it's like Ward it's is okay, weirdly yeah. difficult to like get around. Believe it or not, um, but yeah, it's not Ward Three. But Ward One is not nothing. Yeah, um. It, it's one of those weird things where it's like because when people are like at certain points where they're strapped on mana and they only have like maybe one or two right. mana left, like trying to remove the Rafine is a lot harder because of the fact that it's making you now pay an extra yeah. mana. Uh, that, and it has that exactly the thorn effect, which is not like yeah. it's not keeping you from doing the first one. It's keeping you from casting your next spell. Right. So it, it makes it harder to double spell. You know, Ward yeah. 3 feels like much closer to like actual factual hexproof mm-hmm. uh, by comparison, whereas Ward 1 kind of just feels like, you know, you've almost silenced yourself after after using your removal, but yeah. like, at least you could cast your removal. Yeah. I will say, I do think Rafine's really bad with rule of laws because of that. <laughs> um, but that's, we're not talking about Rafine right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Next, last card on our list is a card that uh, we saw in Rafine. If you watched uh, our stream, not yesterday, but last week on Team Turn 3, is Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer. It is a legendary human wizard that's a 3-3 that costs three colorless, a blue, and a black. And it says the spell costs one less to cast for each different mana value among cards in your graveyard. Whenever you discard a non-land card, you may cast it from your graveyard. Um, so, Pongo, this is basically four mana off of a Jeweled Lotus. Yeah, because it just ends <laughs> sure. up only it ends up reducing yeah. its cost one. Off, like you crack the Jeweled Lotus, and then you just pay one, and you're there, right? Like it, it, yeah. You can jeweled lotus into this for sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's there's the turn one play. You get it off a of jeweled lotus, like any mm-hmm. three drop commander. Um. And and there's like a lot of ways to do this on turn two, also like with fetch lines and stuff like that. Um. So, this card has actually really impressed me. Uh, and. When I first saw it, you know, I thought, oh, this it's good. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't know where it'll see play. Um, right. And then, you know, seeing it in action, I've been impressed by how consistent that uh, cost reduction ability is. Yeah. Uh, it feels like it's really easy to play this card for only two mana uh, in many situations. Um, and then the containment construct ability is like pretty surprising in the sense that it's templated, and, and this was kind of something that I guess we all missed, um, it lets you cast things around timing restrictions, which yeah. is, like, crazy. Because, like, initially, like, you, you don't necessarily think, like, oh, yeah, this means that, like, in my cleanup step, I get to just discard cards and cast them. But, like, you do get to do that. Um, it so, also doesn't exile them. It just They just go right back to the graveyard? They stay in the graveyard, yeah, mm-hmm. which is also relevant for a lot of different uh, things you'd want to be doing in blue and black. Um, so this this card has been kind of... Um, I Maybe one of the cards 
that at least so far uh has most my my opinion of it was decent when i first saw it and i thought it was a fine card but then seeing it in action i i feel like it's quite a bit better than my initial impression of it uh was um so you know part of that is i think that there's like a very strong inherent synergy with like rafine and all of the the mega looting you're doing right um but but it's not hard to also just imagine building around these synergies of discarding cards you know looting or just you know doing any kind of um you know milling really... to, for the discount effect and then discarding off of big draw effects like it's it's easy to actually enable this card this card's really gross with uh doomsday and also with uh divining witch unfortunately the ordering of how you would discard a thoughts Zorville to divining witch would not let the triggers and the ability resolve in the order you want but that's fine it's really good with like lab man or like lab jace and then you just discard them to a divining witch and win yeah i i still think that like things like that it's it's possible that there's not like a lot of places where you would play this card just because um it, it is kind of asking you to do a, a much more mid-rangey type of thing. But mm-hmm. in, in Rafine specifically, it has been surprisingly good. Yeah. yeah, yeah it, It's probably up there, in my opinion, in the like blue-black only commanders. It's up there in power level. As a commander, yeah. As a commander. As a commander, it's also reasonable, but... Uh, Right. I don't know if it's like as good as some of the other blue black options that we've gotten recently. Um, right. But you know the the cost reduction is really powerful still, um, and that is a powerful ability. It's just that in blue black, I feel like a lot of the time you want an outlet, um, just because like your combos are often not going to be as good as just like going into higher colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and potentially having the same card pool plus, and like theoretically also just having an outlet in the command zone at the same time. Um, so like I think there's just like a lot of pressure on your commander to um, fill in like a lot of the question marks for what your deck is doing if you're choosing to forego colors. Right. No, I think that's entirely fair. Um. I don't know. It feels more like a 99 card to me, personally. Uh, yeah, same. I, I think it's much stronger in the 99 of decks than it is out of the command zone because it's just like, like I guess my question is, is it, okay, so blue-black commander, okay, what is this doing that's better than Kells? What is this doing that's better than, mm-hmm. like, it's not a scepter outlet. Even Toxrill. Yeah. Right, or Toxrill, right? And, yeah. and so it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, so it's just, is this better than Sig? As a blue black commander, I think this is a it's 99 generic, card kind of a, What'd you yeah, say? It's kind of it's kind of its own unique uh you would maybe play like a necro list or like a wheels right. list with this, where it's just like you yeah. wheel and then you throw the cards in your hand on the table and right. et cetera. Right. Strong synergy with LED. Uh it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of, in a weird way. I mean, I guess not so much if you're playing counter spells, but Yeah. But, you know, if you're playing a lot of fast mana and other stuff, yeah. It's it, it's certainly a card that I will be interested to see how it How it does. plays. In a, yeah. yeah. Very yeah, you, good you with that mask, You want a lot of looting effects. Actually. 
Yeah. So Rafine is the natural home for the card. Right. Especially in a more um, mid-rangey, like, not Nas-centric Rafine deck. Right. Um, yeah. That's Maybe, really like, Arena as well. Arena could play it. Any, I mean, any why, kind of blue-black who, X. Who's even playing Arena Pretty good with Armix. Like, you've got... You could play it in Armix, too. Yeah. Yeah. That actually then you turn all of your cards into, a, well, they can be, be a removal spell and then you still cast them. Right. Yeah, that seems actually like a really good home for it, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, that's that is all of our cards that we have here for Streets of New Capenna Commander set review. And there was a lot of. Some new interesting things, some things that were okay. We'll see where they have it happen. But kind of like we said with our main set review is we saw that there was a lot of very um, support going to very specific places. You know what I mean? Like um, we didn't see like Pongo said at the recap at the end of last episode, uh, the big like shift up in power right that like a commander legends or something brings mm -hmm. but we saw support to uh particular archetypes and i think the commander set just kind of reinforces that you know um phoenix what are your final thoughts here on the set as we yeah, kind of wrap I mean, up there's a lot of commanders out of all of this product that are really exciting and at least do unique enough things to where i don't feel like i'm losing any commanders in the pool of commanders at this point and mm -hmm. instead we're just getting more cool ones yeah and so feel great about that yeah i i i agree i mean i'm finally over the sort of power deflation of, of these commander products it's uh hard for an old timer like me who remembers the uh the days of when you know commander sets were pretty much like always gonna make like, some sides, kind of right. massive change to the format because like something obscene would get printed um you know i think wizards has gotten a lot better in terms of balancing for a commander right. um and so there was certainly a period of time where it it spoiled my excitement for commander <laughs> products but but you know having lived with it for a while now i'm i'm pretty glad um and you know there's no shortage of like stupid cards that are getting printed in other products as well right um but I guess we'll be back probably for the, the next set that, you know. Whichever is, is, one they decide to do next. we I don't know yeah. if we actually know for sure. Well, I think we're supposed yeah. to be getting spoilers for the Commander Legends set pretty soon. Yeah, Commander Legends. Uh, yeah. Spoilers start in two weeks. So we'll so be. That, that is the set where I would expect to see potentially a few nuttier cards entering into the format. So I'm excited for that one. So here, here's my, my big question before we go. So this is going to come out after you've played your MLC games. Um, and you're playing, let's see, game one, you're going third. You're playing Soul Tide midrange. Uh, game two, you're going second. You're playing Kenris Stacks. Um, you know, Pongo, what do you expect the outcome this weekend to be? You know, if 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 when this comes out, you know, you're saying this beforehand, so you got to hopefully have some good forward thinking retrospection. Uh, what, is, what is your thoughts on the weekend? On, just on my matches, like how, yeah. how I think they're going to go. Um, I'm going to win it, baby. Let's go. <laughs> it's, it's either I win or 
sick robot smooth talks uh, Ian into letting him win. That, that, those are my predictions. Wow. You aren't first, you're last. That's fair. I don't know you why both? I said Ian specifically, but I had to say someone. Wow. <laughs> and Sorry, Ian. You got singled out. This is probably like the second video in a row where Ian is going to be furiously typing in the comments. Why are you talking <laughs> about me? Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, so week one will have been over this past weekend. Uh, next weekend will be the uh, second week, which will be all of the Gatewatch players. So definitely tune in uh, to Monarch to see all of that. Uh, but with that, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been a great episode, and it's been a pleasure to have you all along. Uh, before we take off, I do want to thank a couple of our high-tier patrons of Justin, Michael Levine, CZ, David Snavely, uh, Diane Aches, Jason Bialik, Matt Vayner, and Senior Coupon. Uh, if you too would like to become a patron and help support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors, or you can check out the link in the description as well. Thank you again for joining us. And from all of us here at the mind sculptors, I'm Callahan. And we'll see you next time. I'm in line with the stars. I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides. Like even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad. Let her ties in the hearse. I've been on the vibe, kind of hard to describe. I'm in between. I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle of the time of my life. I'm never so packed for the stack. Never lied on the back. Got a bag from the way that I write it. Queen looking Tyson. Do that I survived doing 80 to the house. Then I hit it to the sky. Change haters on a tirade. Talking to the in the face, be still, let that hate stuff fade We all want the same, we all want a meal And a safe, I wanna live like I'm trying to be enlightened Trail spill from my lips, feel big from the bit Take a sip till I pass out Try and get grip, but it don't make sense Cause you can lose life on this fast route Yeah, turn thoughts to a cash cow I might flip that to the glass house I don't need the accolades, I'm in love with the chase I just wanna eat, save a spot at the table Beast with the slap, hit myself on the map Couple nights at the flat.